1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Slate listeners. We have an important message for you. By now, you probably know about Slate's membership program, Slate Plus. It's a subscription that gives you ad-free versions of every Slate podcast. You can get this show and others like Thirst Aid Kit and the Political Gab Fest all without any ad breaks. But if you're a reader of Slate, as well as a listener, you might have noticed that Slate.com recently installed a paywall. So we want you to know that a Slate Plus membership will also give you access to everything on the website. And your support is extremely important to helping us continue this important work. You can sign up for Slate Plus now at Slate.com slash plus. And if you're already a member, just log in at Slate.com slash login. Danny Lavery here, also known as Dear Prudence. Please join me for a Dear Prudence Facebook live show on April 8th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. I imagine at least a few of you will be at home already. And then it's simply a question of logging on and finding me. Come for the questions, but don't expect a virtual tour of my apartment. I have to draw the line somewhere. That's this Wednesday, April 8th at 7 p.m. I will once again be joined by the only guest I can possibly have, Grace Lavery, because she lives with me and we are sheltering in place together. Go to slate.com slash live for details. This episode that you're about to hear was recorded just as COVID-19 started to appear in our news feeds. So you may hear a mention of the pandemic, but you'll also likely hear advice that's prior to the shelter in place order that many of us are currently experiencing. We hope that all of you are staying safe. Now on with the show.
2: Dear Prudence.
0: Dear Prudence.
2: Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear, Prudence. Dear, Prudence. Dear Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.
3: Thank you. Hello and welcome back to the Dear Prudence show once again. And as always, I am your host. Daniel M. Lavery with me in the studio is my dear friend, Matt Lubchansky, the associate editor of The Nib, and a cartoonist and illustrator living in Queens. Matt, hello. Welcome. Hey, Danny. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. Fantastic. I mm. really enjoyed seeing The Boy 2 with you last night.
0: Uh, I believe you, you You mean Brahms colon <laughs> The Boy 2. That was... Fan never forget the name to, of the doll is Brahms.
3: I never forget. Um, I, I think one of my favorite moments in that movie was when you see the scary drawings the child has been doing. And it's just a drawing of his doll with all the little rules like floating around him. One of which is just kiss Brahms. Kiss Brahms.
0: <laughs> and then uh, later in the movie, spoilers, Katie Holmes is like going through the hallways of the, that movie from the, the, the house from the first movie. Mm-hmm. There's a note that says kiss Brahms good night." <laughs> But nobody ever does kiss Brahms. Nobody kisses Brahms. Maybe in The Boy 3, Brahms will finally get that smooch. I, you know,
3: given that the movie has already made back twice its budget, I think there's a very real chance that four years from now we will be going to see Brahms 3 together. I'm sorry, Brahms third movement. (laughs) I apologize. I'm I'm truly sorry. Uh, But in the interest of... um, Uh, fussy, boyish rules, Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I would love to uh, go ahead and read our very first letter, and I'm very proud of that segue. It's really good. The subject is sick of dish duty. Dear Prudence, I make meals, breakfast, weekend lunches, and nightly dinners for my family, one partner and one child. My partner's not a cook, so he normally does the dishes, but he's horrible at it. We have great soap, scrubbies, and hot water, but he refuses to use much soap or hot water. He insists that soap is a scam and doesn't do much. Perhaps he didn't pay attention in high school chemistry. The result, almost always, is dishes with food caked all over them, drying on the rack. We have a dishwasher, and I've encouraged him to use it instead. To me, that seems like a win-win, but he refuses, and continues to poorly wash dishes by hand. This bothers me for quite a few reasons bugs, ants have been attracted to our dish drying rack in the past, contagious diseases, old food, mold growing on dishes, etc. I've tried to gently talk with him, but he says that I'm criticizing him. He's right. I'm critical of dirty dishes, and I feel like for good reason. The result ends up being that he refuses to touch the dishes at all for weeks at a time, and I end up with double duty. Any thoughts on how to approach this with him? I can't keep doing it all. I already do the rest of the cleaning, the laundry, and the grocery shopping. I'm starting to feel like I have two children and not a partner and one child. I'm seriously tired of it. I agree that you are right to be critical. I I think one of the things that's hard about a situation like this is it's such a blow to your own dignity to try to like, oh, let me scheme of ways to explain to my adult husband that soap works so that I can convince—
0: what to use the dishwasher that you have? Yeah, like the, which is so easy to use a dishwasher.
3: I couldn't agree with you more. That what you want from him is him is completely reasonable. Absolutely. And yet, finding yourself in the position of having to beg him mm-hmm. and like come up with like here is a pamphlet I wrote for you about the importance of soap in <laughs> have Layman's terms. Yeah, um, is again just like an insult to your dignity. So, from my perspective, uh, it, it, I would I would spend less time trying to impress upon him the importance of soap like he knows that soap works he sees that he leaves food up you know what i mean like your husband can he's capable of noticing these things he is doing this on purpose and i think it's good to move forward with that as your sort of operating principle he knows what he's doing He's not misinformed about soap. He's doing a bad job on purpose because he wants to not do it. And I need to figure out how I want to live my own life under those conditions.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. My my other thought was that um, he says that he, you know, it, it seems like the, the letter writer does basically everything else in mm-hmm. the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he wants to not do the dishes or do them badly, um, he could help out elsewhere, perhaps. Like perhaps he really hates doing dishes and cannot stand it. So she could say perhaps, oh, how about you do the laundry or the grocery shopping or something else or help me cook. Uh, The letter writer says that the the husband does not cook, quote, Mm -hmm. which is uh, a little wild to me because everyone learns how to cook. You You can can cook. You can chop an onion, my man. If you can physically wash a dish, you can
3: do some sort of cooking yeah, um, so, so, yeah, I, I also noticed that, like, yeah. he has positioned himself as not a cook as if that's something you're just born with, like being a Sagittarius. Like that's Kenny. He's not allowed in the kitchen. Classic sag doesn't cook, yeah. whenever he tries to walk through the kitchen door, there is a blinding flash of light, and he is thrown backwards fifty feet. Um uh, yeah, this is awful. And again, just like an insult to your dignity and your personhood. He is behaving like a child to get out of doing you know, something that would take him 20 minutes if he just did a good job. So I I just mostly want you to feel like um, the answer is not very patiently explaining to him over and over again, how much this would mean to you, how important it would be, how much easier it would make your day, how not that difficult it is to squeeze a little more soap on the dishes. Like he knows that. So uh, yeah, I like the idea of of trying to say like, okay, if you can't do the dishes, um, take over the grocery shopping. My guess is, He will respond to that by either saying no Mm -hmm. or doing a very, very bad job of grocery shopping. So uh, give it a shot. If it doesn't work, which I'm guessing it won't, I think then the question is like, do I want to cook for him? And I know that it might feel like, oh, I don't want to get involved in a sort of back and forth of like, fine, you don't get my food. But I actually think it's also really reasonable to just say like, look. This is really frustrating. I'm giving up on trying to get you to change this here, but I also don't feel met or recognized or respected in our division of labor at home. And so I'm going to put you on feeding yourself duty.
0: Yeah, I think um, in like uh, the labor activism parlance, this needs to be escalated. Like, Because <laughs> you've already – the trying to think of a, a nice way to approach it with him has been sort of what's already been going on it seems like yes. to me. So yes. it's sort of like the next – thing needs to happen.
3: Yeah. Yeah, but I I think, yeah, that that, that kind of escalation obviously is not what you want in the sense of like you want your partner to listen when you say like, this happens every day. It would require relatively little energy for you to fix and it makes me feel really disrespected. Ideally, your partner would say, thank you for letting me know. I do respect you. I understand that like the acts of self-replication are always a little difficult. No one has a great time washing dishes. We all do it because that's how you have stuff to put food on. I will help better. But, if his whole thing is going to be, I will purposely do a shitty job at things so that you have to clean up after me and stop asking me to do them, um, stop doing things for them.
0: Yeah. I thought of – oh, sorry. One, no, 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 I please. thought of one very last-ish nice thing, mm-hmm. which is uh, to offer to cook together and do the dishes together, mm-hmm. in which case perhaps he can learn how to do both things.
3: Yeah, yeah. A- and, you know, Just a thought. if he's responsive to that, that yeah. would be great. And if he's, like, dragging his feet and, like, oh, now you're supervising me. Like, if you say you're doing the dishes badly and he says, but you're criticizing me. It's just, like, yeah, you're not above criticism, man. Yeah. Um, so I will also just say, like, if you try these other things, these other attempts, and he continues to act like this is beneath him and something that you should just get over. This is, like, every day. This is all the chores in your home. If he's this shitty about it, it's really worth hating.
0: It's and the it's, texture of your life. Yeah, and yeah. it's
3: really worth saying, like, I actually want a partner who is a partner at home. And uh, this has been going on for years and years, and it's not getting better. And um, this affects how I see our relationship. And again, if that doesn't move the needle either, you are not uh, making a mountain out of a molehill mm-hmm. or being, like, you know, I don't want to be too, like, topical, but, like, we're we're kind of in the middle of, like, trying to deal with a pandemic here. Mm. And the idea of somebody being like, washing dishes, that's for chumps. Um, oh. Soap doesn't work. Soap is a scam. Like, that worries me in terms of uh, health also. And um, it's just, again, it is beneath your dignity to try to explain to someone why it's not good to leave food all over your dishes until they get moldy. Yeah. It is self-evidently bad.
0: Also, you have a kid. Yeah. So you want ants everywhere.
3: I do wonder how much help this husband is with the kid.
0: I, yeah, I just, I would... My advice let it letter writer would be to, to uh, expect better for yourself generally. Yeah, I, like.
3: I think part of what I'm leaning towards is not like walk out tomorrow mm-hmm. and never talk to him again. I get that divorce is difficult, but it is not too much to expect a partner who says things like, let's both clean the house or I can dry a dish. Probably
0: pie in the
2: sky here.
3: Yeah, I, I, I truly don't believe that that's asking too much. And even if somebody is like kind of forgetful about the dishes, it's not too much to have a partner where if you say, hey, you've been really slacking in the dish department lately. Will you help out? Who would say, oh, yeah, thank you for letting me know.
2: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues and other personal needs. So your plan works for you.
3: Who yeah. okay? I'm glad we started off with something that was like I don't know why I thought it was light. It's not light. It's like potentially you know marriage destroying. But this next one feels so
0: heavy this one's to me. A heavy.
3: I'm glad that we gave ourselves a bit of a buffer. Would you read this one? Yeah, sure.
0: Too late for apologies, dear Prudence. In high school, I was a bully. My friends and I would pick on people, harass girls in the corridors, and shove around guys that we thought were weedy or gay. I'm deeply embarrassed and ashamed of how I behaved. Looking back, especially when I remember participating in some really vicious homophobic bullying of Adam, the only openly gay kid in our class. A lot of my behavior was, in retrospect, my way of covering deep insecurities about my own sexuality. I came out as gay in college, got a much nicer circle of friends, and became a much better person. Last month, I started my new job. It is my dream job in publishing, and I was thrilled to get a a very competitive post, until I met the colleague I need to share an office with. It's Adam. He recognized me instantly and with visible horror. Another colleague saw how we reacted to one another, and when she asked us about it, Adam just said we knew each other in high school and played it off as a standard surprise. To my surprise, he didn't seem to have told any of our colleagues about what a nasty, violent jerk I was. He's a warm, funny, friendly guy and extremely popular in the department, so we now share a group of friends. I really like my work friends. I really like him. But unsurprisingly, he does his best to avoid me as best as he can in the circumstances. He never talks to me directly in group conversations and is completely silent unless I tried hard to make polite conversation in our shared office. It's just the two of us. I feel terrible and am nervous every day about going to work with someone who has such a good reason to dislike me. Can I apologize to him? I'm really scared to raise my past behavior with him, especially after he recently said in conversation with another friend that he, quote, doesn't ever talk about high school because it was, quote, the worst time of his life. I was definitely part of the reason for that, Brody, so I want to apologize Not to get myself off the hook, but because I just really think he deserves an apology. And I hate the thought of him thinking I'm not sorry about the way I treated him. Should I? I've wanted to tell him how sorry I am since I first saw him, but I feel sick with anxiety at the thought of it. What should I even say? I don't want to come off as excusing my past behavior or trying to get anything out of him. But the current situation of frosty silence and festering guilt is untenable. Any scripts or advice would be so welcome.
3: Whew. Yeah, this one is... Huge and just intense. I I, I think my main thought here is that if you were to offer an apology, it would need like for it to be meaningful. It it would also need to be kind of something that you would be prepared to back up with actions right now. Yeah. And and I think part of the reason that I'm hesitant to encourage you to do so is, um, or at least without considering it carefully first, is because – it, it may be that if you open this conversation, that would make it impossible for him to maintain the defenses that have made work at least possible for him up until now, which is, at least I don't have to talk to this fucking guy. Yeah. And so if you say something like, what you said here, lots of which is really good and yeah. a- necessary and important, and he said, you know, good for you, whatever, I-, I can't stand being around you. If you're really sorry, leave. And if you weren't prepared to do that then that would mean you would have apologized and then also additionally consciously hurt him again. And that, I think, would be worse than nothing.
0: Yeah, you got to be ready to switch offices or find a new job or something.
3: And that may need to happen anyways, honestly. Um, You say that this is untenable. I don't know. You know, it certainly sounds like Adam has been able to find a workable compromise, which is just he doesn't acknowledge you unless you are having a work-related conversation with other people, in which case he is professional. That strikes me as fine. If you feel like you can't bear that, then I really do think as difficult as it might be to start looking for a new job when it's your dream job in publishing, which doesn't have lots and lots of jobs to go around you know, if you can't see yourself for years and years at the same company, it may be better to start looking now.
0: Yeah. And I would say if you're not prepared to do that and you really do are filled with the guilt of not apologizing. I was thinking about this as someone myself who came out kind of late in my life and thought a lot about how I acted as a, a much younger person. Mm-hmm. I don't think uh, not to this degree. I, didn't, I wasn't a bully in high school it was mostly uh, it was the other way around for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think about my previous actions and things that I had said in the past while trying to fit in or whatever. And you know, you do feel, like, real regret over this, and it is, you know, maybe based on, like, what what, he, what the writer is saying about, you know, how he feels about it. I believe him, but I think I would say you could write something to them, mm. and then, like, I would... put Don't put them in a situation where they have to, like, to your face accept the fact that you want to apologize or not. Like, to put more pressure on him would be, I think, uh, crueler. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think my main goal here
3: is I, I want... To make life as easy as possible for Adam,
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, I do think at least right now what he has what he has signaled to you is don't approach me. Yeah, um, I don't want more than this from you. So I, I would say at least for right now, the main thing that you should do is don't try hard to make polite conversation, like. Greet him at the beginning of the day, and if you have to talk about him for something for work, do that, but don't ask him questions like, how was your weekend? Don't try to say nice things to him. He clearly does not want that from you, and I think that's fair. I mean, it sounds like, you know, you were pretty nasty and violent, and um, it's hard because on the one hand, I'm really happy that you've been able to come out. I'm really glad you've been able to make progress and you don't treat people that way anymore, but that doesn't mean that that undoes what happened with Adam. Um, that doesn't undo the pain that you caused him as a, as a child. And I don't say that to try to say, so you're only the, all you can do that with that is hate yourself forever. But it does mean that I think working in the, even the medium term with Adam is just not going to be good for either one of you. And so I, yeah, I would say right now, my main thing would be look for another job. You've, you know, it's always easier to look for a job when you've got one. Um, and you've got a good one right now. So There's something there. Um, Give him as wide a berth as he seems to be asking of you. And um, I would say go to a therapist about this. Go to a therapist who especially can specialize in helping somebody deal with harm that they've caused um, and talk about possible ways you might be able to reach out with an apology when he doesn't have to see you every day. I think that's fair. Just because I, I I worry that like his only way of getting through the day right now is— Ignoring him. Ignoring you. Mm-hmm. And if you bring it up, it will open a lot. And I, I, I get that that's difficult. I get that that's difficult for you to contemplate being around him every day. And that's part of why I think a job change would be good for you as well. But, but be very, very careful and um, test drive any potential apologies you would offer through— at least one mental health professional and at least five other people whose judgment you trust and sit on it for a number of weeks and write and rewrite before you ever think about bringing something to him Um, I think it would be worse to do something impulsive and in the moment and I think it would be best again this is all like in the future if you've already taken the new job and I think it would be better to start with even just something like I'm truly sorry for the way that I hurt you as a child. I know that it was awful and unconscionable behavior. I will not attempt to bring this up again if you don't want to discuss it, but I'm, you know, I'm truly sorry. And yeah, just the tricky thing there is if you open that up and then you're not prepared to leave, you would have hurt him again by saying, I'm sorry. And he's like, well, here's what I need from you. And you say, I'm not going to do that.
0: Yeah, because the possibility is either he's giving you giving the wide berth because he thinks that you either don't remember or are not sorry. Mm -hmm. Or he is just, you know, he's over, he doesn't want anything to do with it. Yeah. And it sounds like the latter to me.
2: But. Yeah.
3: Yeah, especially because of that thing where he said to someone else he doesn't talk about high school because it was the worst time in his life. He clearly remembers. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's 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 not something that he just is kind of like fine about. Um, and so I think that's why it's important to really take his cues here. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I understand your impulse right now, but. Uh, if you can't back it up with action, it would be better to maintain things as they are. And even if that means taking a new job that's slightly less than a dream job, if that new non-dream job meant you weren't in like terrible, uncomfortable silence every day with someone you hurt deeply, I think that would be a better, I don't think this is ever going to be your dream job again, I guess is what I mean. Like, I don't think anyone's dream job involves sitting across from someone they hurt badly and it sounds like sometimes physically as teenagers um i just don't think that that's good for you and i definitely don't think that's good for him
0: could always find a new job and then not take it until you've given the apology and then take it i guess if you really want to hedge your things but i it seems like if you if you're not interested in really repairing or if you're not interested in really doing the reparative work
3: yeah well and, and i just yeah. i just also think even if even if it was a best case scenario. And he said, that means a lot to me. I really, I don't think this is ever going to get so repaired that
0: they become close. You sit in the office all day together, yeah. I I
3: think the best thing that you could hope for here is some version of, it it doesn't change the past, but I appreciate hearing it. Um, I'm glad that you don't treat people like this anymore. And I'm glad that you're sorry. You know, go on in your life, but leave me alone. (sighs) That would be a good outcome, frankly. Yeah. Um, But I, I don't think there's the kind of repair possible here that's like, let's hang out, let's get coffee. Um, and so I know there's a part of you that feels like, well, I'm out now mm. and I like him now. And if he knew the kind of person I was now, we'd probably get along. But I, I think that's a fantasy and I don't think that that's really going to happen. And you need to, I think, let him just not think well of you. You have to accept that he will always remember the way that you treated him. And that doesn't mean that you can't have a different kind of life now, but it does mean with Adam you need to have very low goals. Mm. yeah. Um, But yeah, please start with a therapist. I I think that's going to be the most helpful and the most important thing. I I understand you won't be able to find a new job tomorrow. Um, So for right now, figure out ways that you can respect the boundaries that he has put up without intruding upon them. And then um, once you've been able to do some of that, I think to start looking for another job and then to consider offering a written very basic without going into a lot of details apology so you're not just like and then there was this time and this time and this time that's too much when someone hasn't yet signaled that they're ready to talk about it Um, a brief written apology that you could give to him after you had left um, would be the best way to approach it but this is really hard it would be so different if you had just run into him on the street and you wanted to you know test the waters I, I would I would definitely be more inclined to give you a cautious green light but not when not when his livelihood depends on his ability to keep it together
0: throughout the day around you. Whew. <laughs>
3: Please read the next
0: letter, Matt. Subject to this one is spouse is rude to waitstaff. Dear Prudence, Recently, my husband has started being rude and passive-aggressive with restaurant waitstaff. One time he was upset there wasn't enough meat in his <laughs> meal. Another time, he didn't like where we were seated. And most recently, he thought it was taking too long to get a beer. He accused the manager of, sp- uh, of spitting in the extra meat he brought out, announced, I'm not sitting there, and went on about how the hostess tried to give us the worst table in the restaurant and rudely asked the waitress, can I get another beer or is it going to take another 30 minutes? I don't let these things go. Our preteens are with us. So I asked him to stop, label the rude behavior, and emphasize that it's not okay to treat other people that way. Once, when I had my own transportation, I left with one of my kids. The other decided to stay. He tries to justify his behavior by saying he's treated much worse at work. He's self-employed. Each time this has happened, he's been drinking. Actually, he drinks a lot and often takes his frustrations about work out on us by berating the kids if they have a bad game or picking a fight with me about my job or political beliefs. Other times, he's happy and supportive. I'm sick of his erratic behavior and now being embarrassed by him in public.
3: Do you think this is our first letter writer writing, like, three years in the future? Like... He stopped washing the dishes, so we agreed to compromise and just eat out, and now this is what he's doing? It's possible. You know, as the saying goes, throw the whole man away.
0: (laughs) Throw the baby out with the bathwater.
3: Like, put him in a bath and then throw the bath out the window. Yeah, I don't... Like, the headline here to me is not spouse is rude to waitstaff. The headline here to me is my alcoholic husband is cruel.
0: Yes. Right? Yeah. No, that was... Yeah, that's uh that was my thought. Uh, I mean like it's not like drinking is an excuse for behavior, but I mean so it's, it's not at all. So like someone who's rude to a waiter to me gets put in a special little notebook I keep in my breast pocket called yeah. People That Are Bad and I Don't Like Them. Yeah. Don't I don't know, don't be mean to a waiter. It's yeah. pretty easy.
3: This is um this is not a little problem. Nope. This isn't happening around the edges. Uh you know, he says he's treated badly at work and he's self-employed. To me, this sounds like a person who is looking for an excuse to be angry and cruel. Yeah, I don't mean enjoys. to laugh. It's no, 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 I funny. get it. It, no, is I, like,
0: I la- the, it was the parenthetical that said he's self-employed that was put right there that I think yeah. the letter writer was trying to tell you Yes. Uh, he's wrong. Yeah, yeah. And I think you know that. And, yeah. and so this
3: is a person who wants to be mad all the time. Um, and he will look for any reason to justify it. He's not interested in changing that. Um, You know, you say he also treats the kids badly and picks fights with you. Um, I think you should leave him because I don't think this is just sometimes he's rude to waitstaff. I think he's a bad father. I think he's a bad husband. I think he's an active alcoholic who has no interest in getting help. Um, I think on top of it all, he's also rude to like underpaid service employees who are doing their best to make a living as a, like a waiter or a bartender, which is very difficult. So that's just like the icing on the cake. But like y- you regularly have to tell him to stop in front of your kids and tell him how to act, which is a lot to have to do for an adult. And it also doesn't work. So you started having to leave, which isn't working either. I think you should leave more, you know, like instead of just leaving lunch, like leave a lot. Right. Leave the house, take the kids, file for divorce, Um, take your kids to Al-Anon meetings, you know, that like other times he's happy and supportive. Look, everyone who's not, no abusive person is abusive 24 hours a day. No asshole is an asshole 24 hours a day. Most alcoholics can't pull off being drunk 24 hours a day until they get to like real end stage stuff. Of course, he's not like this 24-7. No one's like anything 24-7, but he's like it a lot and he's like it consistently. And he doesn't stop when you ask him to or when you point out the behavior, you explain why it's cruel or when his kids get upset that their dad is yelling at them. So I think you can say he's like it enough. You just round it up to all the time, you know?
0: Yeah. I would say that he knows that he's doing something wrong at this point if you're, like, leaving meals with the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, that would be a real wake-up call for most people. Mm-hmm. And this fellow seems content to sleep.
3: Yeah. Yeah. As I, it were. I don't hear anything in this letter that's like, my husband is open to change here or my husband listens to me when I say these. Like, there's a limit to – I think people will often write in asking for scripts and I'm happy to do the script, and I think the script can be helpful when you're like establishing a new policy of like, hey, if you yell at me, I'll leave, <laughs> and now you know. Yeah. Or, or with somebody who, who basically cares about you and your well-being and is willing to listen to constructive criticism. Um, but there's also just a limit to how effective a script can be. You can have the best script in the world, and if the person you're talking to is committed to being unreasonable and not listening, it doesn't matter. You might as well be saying goo goo gaga." Ga. And I think you're – at like anybody who's willing to say like, hey, manager, bring me extra meat. Hey, manager, I believe you spit in this. Hey, I need a beer. Do I have to wait an hour for it? Like this is not a guy who's committed to like reasoned debate, you know? Yeah.
0: And I've met the odd person who is normally fine and bad with wait staff, and you can just talk to them about it normally. But this seems way outside of that. This seems like it's a symptom of a massive problem and not like – This thing that's suddenly wrong with my husband.
3: Yeah. And honestly, like if I had a partner who was regularly treating waitstaff like this and didn't stop even after, like I would eventually get to a point where I would leave anyways. Like even if it weren't for all the other stuff, just because that's such a telling example of how they treat people they see as being powerless. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a bad indicator of someone's character. So I think you should call a divorce lawyer. And I think you should hire them to help you with your divorce. And I think you should never go out to eat with this man again. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry he's the father of your kids. I realize that you will still have to co-parent together. And there will still be ways that you'll have to see the way his behavior affects your kids. And that's going to suck. But, you know, you've already established a good pattern of not letting things go. I think this is just the next step. Ooh,
0: this next one you get to read. And I am worried. Subject. My parents opened credit cards in my name. Dear Prudence. A few years ago, I was living in an expensive city, working a low-paying job, and had very severe mental health problems related to depression and PTSD. All this compounded into an unstable financial situation, and I moved in with my parents to help get back on my feet. My finances are now much more stable, and I am in a place where I can move out and plan on purchasing a home this year. I've been monitoring my credit score more actively and realized that there are two credit cards in my name that my parents opened. One I was aware of, one I was not. I want to make sure these cards don't affect my credit score negatively in the future, so I'm planning to have a conversation with my parents about how they use the cards moving forward. I don't want them to close these cards because the credit limit on them is high. I just want to make sure they aren't used regularly or maxed out. However, conversations I have had with them about money in the past have not gone well. They usually end with my being told I am ungrateful for everything I have been given and ridicule for getting myself into a mess in the first place. I feel a lot of shame over my past financial situation, but I'm really proud of the progress I've made and want to ensure a financially stable future. Do you have any scripts or advice for how I can navigate this conversation successfully?
3: Families are not showing up well today in this, uh, in this episode, yeah, I would say. Bad show
0: for the concept of family.
3: Yeah, bad, bad show just when it comes to, like, ties.
0: <laughs> Pack among, it and try it again next week, families. Uh, yeah.
3: So this is identity fraud. Yeah. And you can't um, – this is not the kind of thing where you say like, hey, don't do any more identity fraud and be sure to not spend too much money on these cards. This is the kind of thing that could absolutely like ruin your future financial health um, and you need to file a identity fraud report. Like there's literally identitytheft.gov. Mm-hmm. Go to that website. Click the get started button below report identity theft and get a recovery plan. Um, You will probably have to file a police report. Part of the reason that family fraud is so effective is because most people who are the victims of it feel two things. One, I want to not have to make up for this other person's failures. And two, I don't want to get mom in trouble. And that's impossible. You cannot keep the secret for her. Um, You cannot keep the secret for them. I promise you if they were willing to take out credit cards in your name without telling you, they are also willing to go into credit card debt.
0: Yeah. Well, it says that there's one that the letter writer knew about. Well, yeah, yeah. So I'm curious what the what the order, the action order there was. Yeah. I mean, like the, clearly they, they told were like. Or like, did it happen? They're like, by the way, my child, uh, I've opened up a credit card in your name. Yeah.
3: Either way, there was one they didn't tell you about. Yeah. That, you no, abs- I'm not disagreeing with that. Yeah. 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 Um they will, like, if you don't file this report, they will affect your credit score negatively in the future, very negatively. Um, And it will be incredibly difficult to come back from that if you don't claim it right now. Um, If in the future, you try to say, you know, this debt's not really mine. The odds that the credit card companies will be like, I don't know, it's got your name on it. And you haven't filed anything. So guess what, you're liable. And that's not going to be good for you, and that's not going to be good for your parents. So file that report. File that police report. Uh, If you need to freeze uh, your your credit, I think you can do that for something like 90 days. Mm -hmm. Um, That might be at that point worth talking to a financial planner about. You'll definitely want to keep monitoring your credit reports and your credit cards. You can do that for free once a year at annualcreditreport.com. Read over all your bank and credit card statements. Uh, you know, now is also a great time to ask if there's anything else that they they need to tell you about. But like, your parents didn't earn this by being your parents. They didn't earn this by helping you out when you had PTSD. This is not something that you owe to them. This is identity fraud that they did that seriously, seriously harms you. They took advantage of you. It was wrong. And the only way to stop it is by fucking snitching. And I, I don't often advocate for that on this column and I'm advocating it now. Snitch on your parents. They put you in an unbelievably difficult situation. And I just don't think, like, they're telling you that, uh, they're ridiculing you, they're telling you that you're ungrateful, they are trying to bully you into taking on their debt as your own, and I this just does not sound like a situation where you can trust, like, oh, no, 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 they're going to handle these secret credit cards really responsibly.
0: They clearly don't take you or your concerns seriously, yeah. is what I'm getting from this, yeah. uh, from the From the bit where, yeah, like that you're now, it seems like probably doing better than them, I would imagine, which is like, you know, not like we should all be crabs in a barrel fighting each other. Um, But this is some serious breach of trust. Yeah. And there's a huge difference between – Stealing your identity. Yeah.
3: There's a huge difference between saying like, mom and dad, I'm willing to like send you such and such amount of money a month. And then them saying like, we're going to mortgage your future by racking up debt in your name. Yeah. These people are ridiculing you for your struggles with mental health. If you say, mom and dad, please just promise me you'll stick to a limit and don't open up any more cards. Like I have no faith that they will abide by that. I have no faith in that at all. So the one bright side here is you don't need their permission to file that report. You don't need their permission to get those cards closed down. You need to get those cards closed down. I know you say that, like, uh, I don't want them because the credit card limit is high, which, again, that's worrying. That's not good. Yeah. Like, that's not, a, that's not a mitigating factor of, like, no, 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 don't worry. Uh, they can rack up a ton of money on these cards. That's very worrying. Yeah. You do not want to be um, on the hook for their credit card debts for the rest of your life. Um, and that's the position that they put you in.
0: Yeah, this could go very, very poorly. This could only go poorly. Yeah, and if and if it goes poorly, you're not going to have somewhere to go again and get back on your feet because they're going to be the ones that did it to you.
3: Exactly. This will, frankly, I, I part of me wonders that they did this because they were upset that you were starting to get back on your feet and they wanted to try to tank that and they wanted you to be struggling and doing badly and to need them. These people do not deserve your trust. I understand that you might love them and you might decide that you want to maintain some kind of an emotional relationship with them. That is your choice. They also may, you know flip their lids so much when you actually draw a boundary here and file those reports that you lose that relationship anyways. They fully started it. Yeah. To which I would just say, if somebody says the only way that you can maintain a child relationship with me is if you let me commit identity fraud and, you know, like credit card debt racking up in your name, uh, I would say nobody has the right to ask that of you. But, um, you know, this is just, you, you could get debt collection calls. You could get, like, you might never be able to I mean, not that everyone's like on the verge of being able to buy a house anyways, but there's there's a lot like you could get denied rental applications, which are every, everyone kind of needs to be able to do that. Um, even if even if buying a house isn't going to be possible, you might not be able to open a card of your own in the future.
0: Yeah. We unfortunately live in a system where this is like possibly like life destroying. Yeah. And you shouldn't let them do that to you.
3: Yeah. You say that you're planning on purchasing a home this year. I promise you, <sighs> yeah. if you don't stop this right now, you will never be able to. Sorry, that was a big promise. (laughs) Uh, I don't promise that. I just, like, I think the odds of that being able to happen if you don't file those reports right now is just unbelievably low. The bank could take your house. Like, if you bought a house and then your parents racked up a ton of debt and it was in your name and you never filed that report, they could take your house. Like, this could be so... No, no. There's not a way through this where you have a nice, tidy script with mom and dad. You set a boundary. They dutifully never go above the limit. Um only way out is is going over their head. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. This is such a double whammy of like financial and emotional manipulation. And it, it feels like a great segue to our last question because it's such a different kind of money mm-hmm. problem. Um, it's, uh, the subject is struggling to empathize with partner who grew up wealthy. So I feel like we're kind of closing on a note of like emotional avoidance coupled with financial intensity, I guess. Anyways, dear Prudence, I've been dating one of my closest friends for almost a year and it's been amazing. He doesn't shy away from challenging conversations, including his physical health issues, my mental health issues, my gender identity, etc. He's so supportive. The only conversation we struggle with is about money. My partner grew up with a nanny, a vacation home, access to his parents' money, nice new cars, and his spending habits are as a result wildly different from mine. I grew up fairly poor and spent part of my childhood couch surfing with my mother. My parents are doing a lot better now, and we're recently even able to buy a house outside of town. But I've never known someone with such a wealthy background. Even though I now make a bit more than our boyfriend, our lifestyles are really different. His car is 3 years old, mine's 17 years old. I used to love it, but now all I notice are the clunky sounds it makes and the lack of fancy features. When we go out to eat, he doesn't hesitate to get add-ons, but I usually look for the least expensive items. He lives way beyond his means, and often talks about being stressed out about money. Before we started dating, he didn't know much about cooking and mostly ate in restaurants. Now that we're in a relationship, I eat out much more than I did before, and I find that really stressful for my budget, but I'm not quite living beyond my means. He spends a lot of money on his own hobbies, and I want to be encouraging of that, but I feel like I'm enabling something. He's communicated to me that he would like help reining in the budget, but he also gets incredibly uncomfortable talking about his own financial privilege, and has said before, I don't want to talk about it. We've discussed moving in together, and we've even talked about marriage and kids. Eventually, we'll probably want to share finances. I feel so stuck, but I can't even tolerate the idea that this should be a deal breaker. Besides the financial stuff, this is by far the most nourishing and healthy relationship I've ever gotten to be part of. How should I approach this with him? Is it better to continue to avoid asking him how he can afford his lifestyle? Or should I make a point to ask for more information? Offer to help drawing up a budget? If so, how do I avoid leaving him feeling judged? even though I do honestly feel pretty judgmental. I don't know any other rich kids.
0: I think the good news here is that uh, he's left you open a pretty big window and that he has asked for help with his budget.
3: Yeah. I think that that's also a good opening place. And, um, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, it's fine.
0: I was just saying, like, oh, my, you know, my first thought was, like, oh, you know, he, uh, he says he asked you that he's having a hard time with his budget and he wants help. And you could just say to him, "Hey, let's like sit down and talk about uh, your budget." If you, you you'd ask me about this, like here are some tips that I have from growing from like having to be out of my own, you know, longer with less money. Mm-hmm. And I think beyond that, it's also, you know, it sounds like your relationship is pretty healthy. Otherwise, to say to to say to him, "Oh, like it's been a real strain on me to eat out so much. Can we start eating at home?" I think, or at one of our places, or cooking, or whatever. I think that's totally fair. Uh, and it sounds like he would be receptive to that if he's if, – if the relationship is so nourishing and, and healthy, which it seems like it is.
3: I think that's a really good idea. And it's also fine like – I think it's fine for a relationship to kind of figure out, oh, these are the topics that we might disagree on but we feel – like pretty comfortable talking about. And here's one or two areas that we know are really hard. Emotions run high. Um we both tend to get a little bit avoidant. It's not at all uncommon for couples for money to be that thing. So like you're in great company there. Nothing here strikes me as like um insurmountable. Definitely like if he was like I want to have kids tomorrow and I want to get a joint account tomorrow and I never want to have a conversation, I would say like pump the brakes. But you also don't have to share your finances ever. You could Stay together and be committed and have shared financial goals. But if you wanted to keep a bank account in your own name, you could still do that. That's allowed. That's legal and everything. Absolutely. So don't feel like you have to do that, especially if you realize like, oh, we're actually kind of better off with separate budgets. But I would, yeah, I would say maybe like, you know, you you said you'd like help talking about a budget. I'd love to help you with that. Here's a good place for me to open with just like one thing I've noticed ever since we got together, I've changed my eating habits to match yours. Um, and that's not necessarily like good or bad. It's just something that has happened. I notice that I feel a little anxious talking about it. I eat up more than I might like to otherwise. And I want to talk about possible compromises. And maybe you love the amount of times that you eat out a week. And I just want to say for myself, I-, I like to have dinner at home like an average of three nights a week. And I hope you'll join me. And if some nights you don't, that's okay. I'll make dinner for myself. That might be one option to start with, I think. But I, I really think even before you get into the details of like, a lot of budgeting is fairly straightforward. It mostly just means like looking at how much money you have coming in and apportioning how much you want to spend on other things. Like if he can do basic math and he can look at his, if he can track his expenditures, he'll he'll be able to do that. It's really about the like. I don't want to talk about it. I don't acknowledge it. Like. It's not a crime that he grew up rich, but it's true that he grew up rich. Yeah. I mean, it is a crime, but it's not a crime that he's primarily responsible for. <laughs>
0: it, we got we to gotta address it. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm trying to look outside of my own political <laughs> yeah. feelings here. But like, yeah, it's not like – I think it's, it's – it's, you said like, oh, he's happy talking about sexism or white privilege or whatever. And this is just sort of like the, the third head of that beast. Yeah. And for him to – It's the third rail, baby. It's the third rail of that beast. That's – I've lost the metaphor. But – uh, generally, like I think it's some something you can over time talk more about slowly, just not all at once, because people are people are touchy about this stuff, and I think especially in America where we're kind of raised to not talk about money. Period.
3: Especially if you have a lot of money. Uh, absolutely, I, I think Made, that's mostly. where it comes from. Is oh yeah, like...
0: it's to protect rich people from you know, (laughs) criticism.
3: Yeah. And I think it will maybe help to say, like, I'm not accusing you of saying you grew up rich. It's just you grew up rich. It's not an accusation. You don't have to apologize to me because I grew up poor. You don't have to throw yourself out a window. It's just we need to be able to acknowledge it. Yeah. So, you know, you say, I don't want this to be a deal breaker. It doesn't have to be. You've never really had a serious conversation with him about finances yet. Um, He's been defensive. Yes. And he's like, kind of shut it down but he's also signaled other forms of availability so i think basically just say one thing that i've noticed is this is really hard for you you often get kind of um, anxious and i would love to talk with you a little bit about like what are you afraid of in those moments why don't you want to acknowledge that what are you afraid might happen
0: see what happens and it's scary because you know when you're in a good relationship you don't want to like rock the boat too much yeah if you've got a nice partner who's cool about your gender identity yeah. As someone who's got a gender identity, that I feel like people have to be cool with for some reason. Like, you know, it's 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 scary, but you know,
3: yeah, I demand that everyone's cool with my gender identity. Sure, mine's the best one.
0: Congratulations.
3: Thank you. I looked at all of them and I picked the nicest.
0: You went to the store.
3: I went to the store and I said, "Bring me your best one." And they said, mm. "How did they put it out like? on a coat hanger?" They just... put it out on a coat hanger, and they were like, "We have this one." Mm. And I said, "I'll take it. It's good. It's not the best one. It's just my favorite." <laughs> um. Yeah, and and I would also my last thing of advice there would be like don't put yourself in a position of like doing all the work for him. Like if he's like I don't really want to talk about this, but I do want a budget, and you're like, well, here's a great budget that would help you save X amount of money a month, and then you hand it to him, and he never does it. You're just gonna feel like a chump. Mm. So I, I would say any budget that he needs help with, you can you know be there to process the emotional stuff, and certainly offer. Uh, tips that have helped you or suggest you get one of those like, you know, money tracking apps of which there are many or like spending tracking apps. Um, But don't do it for him. Because if you do it for him, and he doesn't do the emotional work, he will resent you for it. He will avoid sticking to your budget. And then you're going to feel like an asshole because you're just like, well, I did all this work. And now he just, you know, bought a new lacrosse field.
0: I don't think you should buy a new lacrosse field.
3: She said he had expensive hobbies, so I assumed. <laughs>
0: buying lacrosse fields? I
3: assume he is a character from Teen Wolf and he is an expensive werewolf who plays lacrosse. Or maybe he buys uh, antique vintage dolls that are haunted <laughs> and have fancy rules. No, uh, I, I
0: find mine in the woods, buried. Mine.
3: Yeah, that's a great way to cut back on money is just look for haunted dolls out
0: in the woods. Yeah. You could just find them. you don't go on eBay spending all this money on haunted dolls. Just yeah. go look in the woods near haunted manors. Look
3: for a tiny China hand sticking up out of the woods. But check that mold number. Check that mold number. Uh, Matt, thank <laughs> yeah. you so much for coming thank on. Thank you, the you show for having today. me. I had such a good time. You are a delight. I hope that you have a fantastic rest of the day. You too. Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash dearprudence to subscribe. And remember, you can always hear more Prudence by joining Slate Plus. Go to slate.com slash prudipod to sign up. If you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. Here's a preview of our Slate Plus episode coming this Friday. I'm right now on the uh, EEOC website, which is the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Um, And there are actually laws about trying to mandate English only in the workplace. And... um, Perhaps unsurprisingly, the law is not on your side. Um, the EEOC has stated that rules requiring employees to speak only English in the workplace violate the law unless the employer can show that they are justified by business necessity. So, I'm not suggesting that you will be clapped in jail the second you say something, but I am saying, legally, you would be on very shaky ground if you attempted to uh, convince any of your coworkers that they have to speak English every time you're in the room. To listen to the rest of that conversation, join Slate Plus now at slate.com forward slash pod Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell
2: you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere,